Innings Podcast, presented by the Seattle Times. Your host is Seattle Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish. This semi-weekly slash monthly slash whenever he gets around to it podcast talks about the Mariners, Major League Baseball, food, and whatever else Ryan and his guests decide to talk about. And now, here's your host, Ryan Divish. All right. I feel like Joe DiMaggio. Three weeks in a row, we are having a podcast. You know, I I just want to thank all the people that helped me get to this point, you know, uh, you know who you are. You know, I put in a lot of time and work. I focused a lot of energy to try to block out all the noise and uh, whatever. You know, you know what I mean, all the cliches. No, we, we did it again. Uh, we got another podcast rolling. It's I'm recording this Thursday evening about 9.30. We'll publish it on Friday morning. Just got off the phone with Larry a little bit ago, uh, and we did a podcast that was supposed to focus on the bullpen, but really... I mean, how much can you really talk about the bullpen last year and what it is going forward? Look, they were, um, as my one buddy called it, JAGs, just another guy. There were a lot of JAGs in the uh, Mariners bullpen last year at different times. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of going to be the trend going forward. I don't think they're going to invest a bunch of money into it, something Larry and I discussed. So instead of spending too much time talking about the bullpen, we instead started talking about. We instead started off talking about the most important story that's going around, which is the Astros cheating scandal, and we got into that quite a bit, and that was fun discussion. Um, and so we did that, and then we also talked a little hot stove. Some of the GM meetings, which nothing happened uh, for the Mariners, and I don't think you're going to see them being super busy in the next few days. Then again, Jerry Depoto could probably prove me wrong when I'm driving to Montana tomorrow. Uh, and then at the very end of the podcast, we discussed the bullpen. And then also at the very, very end, Larry and I just briefly discussed trading Mitch Haniger, which is something that was brought up in a rumor from Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic uh, that the Mariners were listening to offers on him. So hopefully you enjoy this week's podcast. Three in three weeks. We'll be going for four next week. And thanks for listening. And let's get Let's welcome in Larry Stone, uh, venerable scribe. Larry, they're throwing a changeup. They're throwing a changeup. <laughs> you know, that's never not going to be funny. I know. I've, I've seen so many memes and stuff on on uh, Twitter this week, and every one of them makes me laugh. It's, if you uh, don't know what we're talking about, uh, we're talking about the Astros being accused. It's been a busy offseason for the Astros. They have been most recently accused of cheating. My friend Evan Drellick uh, wrote, with, along with Ken Rosenthal, a big story in The Athletic about how the Astros used a camera in center field to read signs and then signal their players when an off-speed pitch was coming by banging on a trash can. <laughs> you, you know, I got to give some credit to uh, our other friend, Jeff Passan. I was doing some research this, this evening, and he actually had that in 2018 about the trash can. Oh, which really? Was, it was acknowledged it, deep down in the Drellich Rosenthal story. They acknowledged that it was first reported by Passan, but uh, the, the, the big thing that they had in this latest story was Mike Fires, the pitcher, the former Astro, 
going on the record as, as say as pretty much detailing what happened and corroborating it as a player on that team whose conscience not not really his conscience but his integrity got the better of him and so he spilled the beans because he said he just didn't think it was right so um, now now you got a player on that team on the record confirming what had been. Uh, just sort of innuendo and rumor and stuff. Yeah, because this has been around for a while. Um, the Mariners players had mentioned this stuff back in 2017, I think is when I first heard them kind of grumble about it privately. You know, they would never go on the rock record about it, um, but several Mariners players and the manager and the coaches all kind of would drop little one little hints, off hints, or one word, you know, little comments about, you know, somebody, I think it was like the Bregman thing. You know, uh, something like, oh, yeah, he hit it like he knew it was coming because he did. Uh, so I want to point out Mike Fires also, you know, he's got a pitch again in Houston. This year he, in five starts, he only made 23 innings, allowed 32 hits and 24 earned runs, including 12 dingers. So that's maybe why he had a problem <laughs> with it. Hey, I got to go back to this place. I'm not going to let these guys keep cheating. Yeah. Well, it's it's so blatant when you hear some of those uh, clips uh, like Danny Farquhar, uh, who apparently caught on to it in the middle of the game when they, the, the players were on to his pitches. And he know he suddenly heard this loud banging as he was going into his windup. And, you know, somebody, of course, found some video and you could clear his day hear this banging as he was about to pitch, you know, every third or so pitch when he was throwing a changeup. And you, it boggles the mind why it wasn't picked up on. I mean, how uh, how much more obvious can you be than to hear, you know, to have this trash can noise <laughs> happening right when you're pitching? And uh, you know, Far Farquhar says that he was furious that the media didn't come to him after the game because he was ready to out them. Then, I, you know, I, I was of course from a media point of view thinking about that. Uh, you don't often go to a relief pitcher who doesn't have, uh, you know, any kind of impact on the game. But I, I could just see him sitting at his locker, just waiting to, you know, itching to tell somebody yeah. what had happened. Yeah, I mean, like. Dude, just grab somebody then. You know what I mean? You right. Know, was it? It was with the White Sox, right? Or was he? With, it was with the White Sox. Yeah. yeah. They don't yeah. always have a lot of people traveling with them, so. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, the Mariners that year were in the uh, wild card race till the end. I just checked to see how they did. They were three and seven against Houston in Houston. Oh yeah. They were they were two and seven against Houston in Seattle. So they actually did better in uh, Houston than they did in Seattle. But but that that's to me that's irrelevant. I've I've seen reading comments. It's like well they lost the World Series. It didn't really help them too much or or you know stuff like that. It doesn't matter whether it helped them or not. If they're cheating, they're cheating. And the process. And, I mean, like you, you can't use. It's like that whole Malcolm Gladwell thing. You can't use that. The the end based results based analysis on that a thousand little things could have happened along the way that it could have changed the outcome of that season if they weren't cheating or did change by the way they were cheating you know you're talking about guys I think it was Brandon McCarthy pointed out that like how many guys how many relievers that got sent down because they went in there they get their pitches you know called out and then they get drilled or whatever you know you're talking about guys that may never even get a chance again 
stuff like well, that's that. Well, what, that's what Fire said his motivation to talk about it was because – and he would—he was with two teams. He was with the Tigers and the A's after the uh, the Astros. And he told both of those teams. And he said he—he he, he said just what you said, and what McCarthy said that uh, guys' careers were hanging in the balance. You know, you get called up, you make an appearance, and they know what's coming. You get drilled. You go back to the minors. You may never get another chance. And uh, that's just not fair. And. The whole integrity of baseball is really uh, – it's such an interesting story because sign stealing is kind of revered in baseball, but it's the – there's a uh, honor among thieves kind of thing where it's okay if you're standing on second base and you figure out what they're throwing. That's that's good baseball, but to do it through electronics – is is considered to be unethical but then further complicating this uh, as the rosenthal story points out is the suspicion that the astros are not the only team doing this so teams can't get too high and mighty and self-righteous because it very well might be their team too the red sox if you'll recall, were penalized by baseball very publicly for using an Apple Watch to steal signs against the Yankees in 2017. Uh, other teams have been accused as well. Uh, the, the Astros in 2018 playoffs were were there, there was a, a guy with an Astros badge who was caught taking pictures in the dugout. Uh, of both the Indians and the Red Sox and there were complaints to baseball and they investigated and what the Astros said was that they they were sort of doing counterintelligence they they thought that those teams were stealing their signs so they were like they were they stationed a guy to make sure that the the Red Sox and the Indians weren't stealing their signs so there's going to be a lot of back and forth like where you yeah, maybe the Astros are doing it, but everyone else is doing it as well. So baseball, I mean, all, well, all baseball has in the end is the it, what it needs is sort of the integrity of the game, which, you know, when you had the, the Black Sox scandal of throwing the game, you had steroids and then that, something like this that calls that into question. So they've got I think they've got to come down hard on uh on this and you know he a big fine and maybe take away a draft pick and some suspensions uh they they, they've got to make it clear that it's not going to be tolerated moving forward and maybe maybe they could stem the tide yankees um uh yankees are were also accused of that i believe a few years ago that the red or the red sox were doing because the yankees were doing it or something like that you know (laughs) yeah and the Dodgers are convinced that the Astros were doing it when they beat them in the World Series, which I think was that same year. Uh, the Astros in that Rosenfeld Drellich story claim that they stopped. Well, they had, you know, a named official said they stopped in the postseason, but then somebody else said they heard a trash can banging very clearly during the playoffs before a, uh, yeah, an Astros hitter hit a home run. Uh, so, uh, you'd think they'd, you just think they'd have something more sophisticated than a, than a drumming, drumming a, uh, a trash can. But yeah, I mean, well, wasn't the Red Sox guy whistling when it was, there was whistling. Yeah. That was that, that was another accusation that took place during this, this postseason was the, that there was whistling going on. I can't remember what team that was. It might've been the Astros again. Well, Um, like, and then like. You know, the Astros were also picking pitches on, on guys. And, you know, people people talk about, oh, they pick it up in the dugout. 
what uh what i've been told is that they with this the technology you have right now they just overlay the the delivery of the guy uh, from multiple angles on all his different pitches and then just have it look for you know because they can have that they can just overlay curveball fastball you know like the pitching ninja guy so that's how they're able to pick it up the tells they're like they're not necessarily picking it up from the dugout but they're using advanced technology to mm-hmm. to study the the mechanics of these guys and and doing that and i guess in that sense if you're you should be self-scouting yourself and making sure your guys aren't doing that yeah you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that if it's not done in real time kind of thing where, you know, between games, if you're uh, studying, I, I think, I mean, teams have video of players all the time. I don't think that's a different animal than stealing signs, which, you know, I, I've written about, I, I did a story on this a long time ago, but the 1951, 51, that was 70, almost 70 years ago. Uh, the Giants that came from behind to Is that the Bobby Thompson, the Bobby Thompson that year, uh, there was a very, very famous story. I think it was Wall Street Journal that kind of broke, <laughs> broke this. Uh, they had a uh, telescope in the scoreboard and almost all year and they were stealing signs all year. And, uh, you know, Bobby Thompson claims that he did not have that in play when he hit his home run off Ralph Branca, the shot heard around the world, the most famous home run in baseball history. But who knows? Uh, you know, that made him, uh, that made him a baseball hero. And it made Ralph Branca who threw the pitch a, a goat for life. And, you know, in later years, Branca said he felt much better knowing that, it, that uh, it might've been done dishonestly. And that kind of took him off the, the hook a little bit, but, uh, that shows how far back that that goes, but um, uh, that didn't come out until maybe f- forty years after the fact. So there was not much baseball could do about it. But they're going to have to do something about this. Yeah, uh, I mean the old adage of uh, "you ain't cheating, you ain't trying." Um, I mean, do you draw the line at technology though? Is that the I line think, you should think, be drawing? I think you do. It's it's a real interesting question. I mean, cheating is uh, woven into the fabric of the game. Uh, Gaylord Perry and his spitballs, you know, I think people would say that that's, uh, for some reason, that is acceptable, whereas steroids and... Corked bats. Corked bats and uh, sign-stealing using cameras is, is not. Uh, but the, there's a lot of nuance to that. You know, you could give a guy a cortisone shot to clear up his his uh, his arm, uh, but you can't uh, take a pill that makes you stronger. Um, you know, it's 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 a, it's a lot of interesting debates there. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's not, it hasn't been a good off season for the Astros. I mean, other no. than the, other than the, uh, I guess they they did get a Cy Young award winner, but yeah, I mean, like. They, you know, in the last two years or so, they've come off just like being real jerks. I mean, like it's just like a a disliked team, like the new team to hate. Yeah, you know, I was gonna <laughs> sneak preview. I'm gonna write about that very topic for for Sunday. Uh, you know, for, they've gone from being lauded as the model franchise and and a, a book, an entire book that was a bestseller. 
uh, was it, it the Astros way? Is that what it was called? Yeah, I think? Some way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just about how basically sort of the money ball of the new era about how they're pretty much outsmarted everyone and maximized every tool they could to, uh, to identify and maximize, uh, talent acquisition and then the usage of that talent. And, but then now you hear stories about what a toxic environment it is in the front office. You had the Brandon Taubman, uh, debacle in the postseason that really, I think, uh, we'll never know, but I, I, I think that set them back in the World Series because they were just playing defense as an organization, and I'm sure that filtered down to the players. Uh, go right going into the, the the most important series of the year, you had that hanging over you, and that just painted the organization in a horrible fashion. They handled it horribly. Uh, one misstep after another, and then now, maybe less than a month later, we get uh, this news that they the the one year they won the World Series 2017, they were they were cheating. So uh, this is a definite uh, scar on this on this great run that they've had, and you just wonder what's how it's going to affect them moving forward. They're already at a stage where they're going to lose Cole. Uh, it's going to be hard to keep a lot of their high-priced young players, uh, that core together. Uh, they have, do they have another important free agent that I'm Springer, forgetting about? Springer, not this year, next year. Yeah, Springer yeah. and Correa will be the year after that. Yeah, and you wonder how, how long they're going to be able to churn out the – I mean, their farm system's been magnificent. Uh, they've got Forrest Whitley, a, a pit, a pitcher, right, coming. Um the the outfielder that looks like he's going to be real good that they Tucker that broke in this year, so they've been amazing at uh, at unearthing talent in a way that the, makes the Mariners envious. But uh, this whole thing just kind of casts a shadow on them for the for the time being. I think I saw one stat, you know, because like if you look at their their home their splits this year, they actually had um, you know they hit higher at home and they had more homers at home and. Obviously, you know, but that park is also just a bandbox and it's more conducive. I mean, that's one thing. To, that park is a joke to left field. And then when you know when you when you know when fastballs are coming and you're able just to hit a, a, a fly ball to left field and get a cheap homer out of that, that makes a huge difference. But I think the one stat that I saw that I think the the strikeout percentage of their team at home went down significantly in 2017, 2018, and 2019. And if they know what pitches are coming, at least when it's a fastball and when it's not, um, you know, that that can help them because that was kind of the big knock is how much they struck out in the past. And then they were getting all this great rave reviews about how they cut down on their strikeouts and how, uh, how important that was. Yeah, and uh, no question. And, you know, the latest story that came down – yesterday is that this that this is this is touching alex cora who was the bench coach for aj hinch in 2017 then became the red sox uh manager in 2018 and won the world series and carlos beltran who was just hired to be the mets manager was a player on the 2017 team and according to this story by rosenthal and drellich 
Cora and Beltron were were key members of the sign stealing uh, system. So the, that immediately puts two more teams under fire. And then AJ Hinch himself, the manager, how much did he know? Uh, you've got to figure that if there's trash cans being banged in the runway next to the dugout, the manager knows full well what's going on. So, uh, you know, he, he, he emerged as the guy with all the integrity, the only one that seemed to do things right in the World Series, the way he handled the Taubman stuff. But uh, this could taint him as well. And uh, so uh, they're right there, there's two different teams that are, that are suddenly involved with this. Uh, the, you know, the, Beltron has never, he just joined the Mets, so it's not like the Mets have any uh, um, culpability, but if their new manager is suddenly suspended or something, that's not going to be a good thing. This is a mess for uh, Rob Manfred, as if he doesn't have enough things to worry about um, with an impending uh, labor situation. Uh, this is something where people are going to be watching, and like I said, the integrity—it's an integrity of the game issue. Um, yeah, how should Major League Baseball proceed in the investigation? Like when they're investigating this, I mean, I think I read something like, you know, if you're caught lying to MLB, they're going to come down harder than you. Or, and obviously, yeah, this isn't like a court of law, but. I mean, how should MLB? They they should be pretty vigilant on this, don't you think? And I transparent, think so. I would imagine as well. I think the way to go is to to kind of like find the ex Astros who uh, the Mike Fires types who no longer have to protect the team because if you ask uh, somebody like an Alex or like a Bregman or someone who's on the team who may or may not be the beneficiary of this. Uh, it, it's going to be harder to get a honest answer than if you get somebody who's who was there and has left and uh, really doesn't have uh, the vested interest anymore. And um, yeah, I think the, the 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 thing that you mentioned, I saw that article as well, where the the Manfred's going to make it clear that if you lie, we're going to come down even even harder on you if it can be proven. Um, I mean, I think they need to be transparent, too, about who they're talking to and some of this stuff, because I I just, you know, because that leads because, you know, MLB, they say they handle these investigations, they bring in independent people. You need to know who's doing this, because this this is you're talking about the integrity of the game. And I mean, this is a high profile deal. So you can't just go all like, well, we're just going to hire an independent uh, third party investigator and and. you know, we're going to handle it, but we're not going to provide any details about how we're doing it. I think if you're MLB, you have to go step by step. This is who we're bringing in. This is what we're talking to. This is who's doing all the questioning. I mean, you know, I don't want to equate it to what we're dealing with now on TV with mm-hmm. impeachment. But, I mean, you need to have – and I'm not saying that they have to be on a Senate Judiciary Committee in, in front of it. But you need to let people and reassure fans that you're doing your due diligence and – um uh, and doing everything that you can to come to get the right answer. You know, you can't you can't leave any doubt that you might be trying to take it easy because you're trying to protect the game in that way. Right, and 
what the, the last time they went through this, they need to do a better job than the Mitchell report, yeah. uh, which was supposed to be the definitive investigation into the steroids uh, era. It was in 2007, and there was this breathless anticipation, and George Mitchell, a respected former senator, was in charge. But basically, he <laughs> everything he got was from a, just a couple of... Uh, drug dealers uh, that were that that was that he was able to get to spill the beans so the players who got mentioned in that just were the ones unlucky enough to be associated with those couple of dealers and uh you know a lot of names in there but I, i'm sure it was far from definitive and uh it really didn't put a close to anything uh, even though bud selig uh, painted it that way so yeah they they do need to be transparent they need to be more thorough uh they they uh, and they do have the they have a investigative wing in the in the commissioner's office and they're gonna they're, they're gonna need some people who know what they're doing and it's gonna be tough because teams <laughs> if you're associated with a team that knows what the what the Astros are doing, but they also know that they're doing it themselves. It's going to be harder to be forthcoming and, and nail the Astros. Uh, and so, it's going to be a delicate thing to 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 sort through all of this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know that they have their own investigative wing, but they an um, independent party needs to oversee this because you can you know you can find ways. You, you can cast doubt into why um, MLB would or wouldn't want to investigate this in a way that, you know, the proper outcome comes. So I, I think they need to have an independent party investigate it and then go from there. Um, so what if they find out that the Astros have been doing this, what should the punish be? Because like this whole thing about vacating the World Series win and all that stuff. I mean, this isn't college sports. Um but which, and I don't, yeah. that doesn't really do anything. They, they have to do something that prohibits them from doing it again and punishes them now because there's still a large portion of the, the people on that team that were doing it. Yeah. How, do you, how do you do it? Yeah, I think, yeah, vacating the World Series is just not going to work. It's uh, it's too late for that. Uh, it, what, what, you, you Give it to the to give it to the Dodgers. They it, they wouldn't feel like they were the World no. Series champions if that if that happened. They would, uh, and then you'd wonder. Well, I think there's been some accusations that the Dodgers did this too. So, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> um, I think it's got to be a combination of three things: uh, draft picks, um, monetary fines, and suspensions. And the draft picks. If you take away a first round pick, that's a that's a big thing. Uh, that that hits that that hits you hard. And I think the the Cardinals uh, when the Cardinals um, were the 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 guy was found to have hacked into the Astros. Another another thing involving the Astros when the the the, the Cardinals uh, executive was found to hack the uh, the Astros computer system because he thought that the Astros had stolen their uh, info. 
um, this guy was banned for life, and I think they lost a pretty high draft pick, and they were fined, I think, $2 million. So uh, I think it's got probably got to be something greater than that all the way around. Uh, I don't think anyone will get suspended for life, but I, I think there will be some suspensions. I think some high draft picks will be taken away, and I think there'll be a huge monetary fine. Yeah, you have to you have to come down hard uh, to make sure that, like, look, you know, send a message like, look, if you're going to do this and you get caught, you're going to suffer the consequences. You know? Well, yeah, the, the you know the Braves, uh, the former Braves GM. Who got involved in oh, with Coppola, John Coppola, Coppola, Yeah, yeah it, it was involving uh, international signings, uh, banned for life, and they forfeited all those guys that they signed too, right? Yeah, yeah, and the the uh, the Astros guy whose name was Correa, I believe, uh, not the Astros guy, the Cardinals guy, uh, banned for life. Um, you know, so uh, those the, the that's why I don't I would be surprised if anyone was banned for life from this. Uh, I can't see someone like Jeff Lunau, the the general manager, being banned for life or anything like that, but there could be a suspension uh, for somebody who's uh, who's deemed either as covering it up, knowing about it and not saying anything or, or being complicit in planning it. Yeah, I... I... I mean, I think with Luno, I mean, you could throw that whole, like they do in the NCAA, lack of institutional control, given what, you know, has been going on from the, from not letting the writer in to the Taubin stuff to how they've handled almost everything this year. Uh, and even in years past, I mean, Luno is the guy, regardless of whether he, not he oversaw it or knew about it, when you're the guy running it all, you know, you have to suffer some punishment too. You know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think he's gonna. Something's gonna come down on him, and you know, for I think uh, looking at the team that we cover, I guess all this has to be good for them, right? Everything yeah. that puts everything that puts the Astros in chaos, their number one rival, the team that's owned this division, has got to be good for the team that's trying that desperately to uh, to make their mark in this division and. If they lose their mastermind for you know a suspension and they lose some draft picks and uh, there's this kind of bad aura around the team, uh, I mean they still have a tremendous amount of talent on that team and they're going to be good, but they're going to lose Cole and maybe they lose Springer next year and uh, Verlander's getting a year older and so uh, you know they're not going to be invincible forever and so. Anything that hastens their demise from the Mariners' point of view is good. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was the plan of the step back all along. With the <laughs> I mean, what, what would have happened, though, like if Bregman won the MVP instead of I was Trout? thinking that. I was sick of that, too. And, you know, I don't know if there's any accusations about this. This is all 2017. It's, I haven't really seen anything that mentions this, whether they did it this year or not. But if if it's as successful as it, as it sounds like it's been, I have a hard time believing that they didn't continue doing it this year. Mm-hmm. And and uh, yes, that would I think MLB is breathing a sigh of relief that Mike Trout won the MVP because he would have uh, another major 
uh, question that would be that that's all anyone would be talking about tomorrow is did Bregman get his MVP stats honestly? And so now that's sort of not really a, a top a huge topic since Trout Trout beat him out. Huh. I don't know. I don't know what to think about this anymore. I really don't. I mean, like, I, I'm curious to read more about it. I, I can't imagine this is going to happen quickly, though. Do you think? No, I, I wouldn't think so either. They, I think they've already started reaching out to people. Uh, it's really, it's just how much are people going to tell the truth, and how, how forthcoming are they going to be? Um, if you if you interview twenty five people on who played for the Astros this past year, would they would they uh, would they tell what's going on? I think I think you got to talk to most people on that team, the players, and and find out what they say. And uh, maybe somebody like Taubman, who has been fired and probably knows he's not going to be uh, he's not going to be in baseball again anyway. He might spill the beans, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of in uh, you know in the mafia or stuff like that. That's the kind of uh, uh, person that uh, that that the feds uh, use as their star witness. So I'm not not uh, saying this is a mafia situation. I'm just saying that you know that's the kind of guy that uh, maybe uh, they're definitely going to talk to him. So who knows what. Whether he is uh, at a point where he would uh, tell all. Yeah, I feel for my uh, buddy Chandler, who covers for the Houston Chronicle, because he doesn't really have a backup writer, so he's just having to wear all of this in the off season after they just basically, you know, went to the World Series. <laughs> so he's just like he's had like no off season, you know. He's just like, oh yeah, we're gonna write this, and you're gonna have to follow it. I mean, like if you're the Chronicle, you're gonna have to like you know, put somebody on this the whole time because it's, it's, this is going to be news. It's going to be yeah. news. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I hear you. I feel their pain. We've had off seasons where they're, where you have a manager search and a general manager search and, uh, you know, you, it, you can't relax until it's over. And this is going to, this, this is one of those things where, and you also know you're going against Rosenthal and Passan and those yeah. guys too, who, who have tremendous league-wide sources, so it's hard to deal with that as a local writer. Uh, so you have that dread every day, like what's what's what story is going to be broken <laughs> by uh, the Athletic or ESPN or whatever. Speaking of stories being broken, there were no stories broken at the GM meetings uh, by the Mariners. They didn't do anything. Um, were you surprised? No, there's I I don't know what is Depoto's GM meeting record. Usually that's a little too early to do too much. I know he probably has done a few deals at the GM meetings, well, but he, that's he usually the the uh, where you sort of uh, lay the groundwork. He did Ruiz a few years ago because I was there covering it that year. Um, Carlos Ruiz, um, and then last year. He had done the groundwork for the Zanino trade at the GM meetings because I think I wrote it on that Thursday night of the GM meetings, and then and then it came out that day, the next day. I did. I covered one GM meeting 
in uh, I think I was there because was it the year that Alex Rodriguez was a free agent? That's, that's how far back it was. And I think Sean Green, it, there was a blockbuster trade at the if I if my memory's not playing tricks on me, where Sean Green was traded to the Dodgers uh, during the general managers meeting. And it, uh, but you almost never get deals of any significance uh well it used to be the winter meetings but now uh the, the last few years if nothing happens there either <laughs> no and they they have meetings they have like real meetings that they have to do like performance you know they have meetings that like for all general managers called on by the league to take care of stuff you know and they have like on field about on field rulings, all this other stuff, compliance. So it's not just like them hanging out at a swanky resort in Scottsdale, you know, <laughs> having meetings about trades and stuff. They're at a swanky resort. Uh, oh yeah, it's the, yeah. it's the, it's in it's in Scottsdale. Uh, they're at, they're usually at swankier the GM meetings are at swankier oh, yeah. places than the winter meetings. But you know, I was traveling today. I went after I covered the. Uh, Seahawks game in uh, Santa Clara on Monday. I drove to see my dad, who lives fairly close, and so I just came home today. So I, and I had to drive like four hours to the airport and then fly. So I really haven't had much time to look at things today. But I did see that they did institute some new rules, including uh, a three batter minimum for for relief, relief pitchers. Yeah. Uh, so uh, which I've been in favor of so you can't do that left right left thing uh and there were some other rule changes which i didn't have time to look at but i don't know if you've looked at those or not no i took a nap um (laughs) yeah i mean there were the rules that were kind of already in place um that they had kind of they'd kind of agreed to previously and that they're going to um you know that they were going to enact when they got it agreed upon, but yeah, the three, the three batter minimum and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, was that in place this past year? Or no, I mean they they got a, they agreed upon it. And, yeah. But then they didn't. Um, uh, they didn't. They didn't. It wasn't going to go into effect until this next year. So. Is, is that the same with the pitch clock too? Um. um yeah, no, I, I don't think that. No, I think that was the one thing that they pulled off the table. Yeah, was that that they didn't want, um, they didn't want that, and so they were willing to give other stuff. They got to put the pitch clock in. I, I'm a I'm a big pitch clock guy. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with it. I mean, these guys get used to it, but um, you know. It's it's kind of weird. Oh yeah, the the active roster goes from twenty five to twenty six. Yeah, um, and then twenty seven um, for double headers, and then they're only only expand to twenty eight during the uh, during September. Right, and then um, oh, what else? They're going back to the fifteen day DL. It says really, yeah. yeah. Three batter minimum, fifteen day DL, uh, and the active roster. So, yeah, the twenty sixth guy. Do you see that being a third catcher, an extra position player, or an extra pitcher? My hunch is that most teams will use it for a, an extra pitcher. Yeah, I mean, and it's weird is that uh, it says that the roster will. Uh, it'll be capped on how many pitchers you're allowed to have. Um, and then so 
I wonder if that makes any double position players. Oh, um, you mean like a Sho- Sho- Shohei Otani that yeah. kind of deal? That'll make them valuable, I think. Uh, a, oh, wow. And it's something is like they're talking about that position players can only pitch under two conditions if the game is in extra innings or if the team is winning or losing by six or more runs. So we'll still see a lot of. <laughs> but what do, you, yeah, what do you do about the uh, the, oh, the true two-way players like Otani and the the uh, Reds uh, uh, center, center fielder guy? Yeah, uh, and there's a guy for the race. Uh, Loren, Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen, uh, yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah, the guy with the uh, um, Rays. And then uh, there's, a, there's a guy that was – it's also in the Reds organization. What's his name? Hunter Green, I think. Yeah. That was drafted as both a position player and a, and a pitcher. So I don't – I think those guys – don't have to can pitch whether if it's not six runs. Yeah, I mean, it's speaking of extra pitchers that'll lead us into our, our position of note, which there isn't much to note of. Um, the bullpen it stunk last year, Larry. Can you name the closer for the Mariners last year? Well, it was uh, Rowanus Elias. It's, it was Hunter Strickland to start the season, but he got hurt. Uh, did he even start the season yeah, before he, he was, got hurt? Yeah, yeah, I remember he had the saves in Japan. And then he had right. that one where he was hurt against the Red Sox and the Dylan, and yeah. he didn't take himself out. He's got a World Series ring, by the way. Yeah. And so does Rowena Salias. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if either of them appeared in the postseason. Uh, I don't remember either of them pitching. But uh, you know who had five saves for them last year? Anthony Bass. Uh, no. Yes, Anthony Bass, but that's not who I'm thinking of. Well, I'm looking at the list. So am I. Uh, McGill. Yeah, Matt McGill. The most, yeah. so the Mariners had nine players register saves last year. Uh, Rolandis Elias had the most with 14. Anthony Bass and Matt McGill had the second most with five. Anthony Swarzak, who was traded and apparently has a wife that's a little crazy, to um, the Braves. He had three. Eric Swanson had two. Hunter Strickland had two. He was the closer to start with. Connor Sadzik, Jason Bradford, and Nick Rumbelow. <laughs> and you forgot uh, Armstrong had four saves. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, I don't see that. Well, I'm looking at the mirror. No, he had it. He didn't have it. Maybe that's all. Div- no, maybe that's, yeah, it's Armstrong. No, I'm, I'm looking at 2019. Well, I'm looking at the Mariners. Are you uh, using the ESPN? Bo- no, I'm using the book the Mariners uh, sent nah, out. That's wrong. I'm looking at baseball hmm. reference. Look, you tell Kelly Monroe that. I'm not going to tell her. Yeah. He, can, uh, <laughs> he had four look, appearances, it, but not, yeah. No. He he, well, it has it. him listed as, yeah. wait a second. It has him listed as having 55 games. That can't, yeah, that's no. not. No, that's that's not right. Nobody had four saves. He might have gotten those with the, the Orioles, but yeah, no. So they only okay. had nine players, so. Okay. Sean Armstrong was only with the team for about a month. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm. Uh, I guess I can't take this for gospel anymore. I mean, they used guys that we'll probably never see again. Yeah. Oh, and I know it. <laughs> I mean, like I guess you go to the forty man right now because they just removed a bunch of guys earlier, like that Whistler guy who opted out, or you know, um, and. Uh, they Bass got claimed off of waivers. Uh, oh, uh, I 
as I look at this Armstrong thing, I, I guess that's his full. You're right. That's his full season yeah. numbers. And so I apologize to the Mariners. They do list his Seattle numbers, and he only pitched in four games. So I apologize. Here's a list of relievers that is currently on the Mariners bowl, or currently on the Mariners forty man. Austin Adams, who's pretty decent. Dan Altavilla, who's never proven to to perform to match his stuff. Herson Bautista, similar to Dan Altavilla, big fastball, doesn't really perform. Brandon Brennan, a Rule Five pick that was pretty good last year. Matt Festa, who we barely saw. Zach Grotz, who was a pickup out of the independent leagues. Lefty Taylor Gilbo, who was the guy they got from the Nats. He throws pretty hard. Matt McGill, who had five saves. Reggie McLean and Eric Swanson, Sam Tuivailala, Phillips Valdez, and Art Warren. I don't know if how many of those guys will make the opening day roster next year. And... Uh... Who will be the closer out of that group? Uh, do you think it's I, there? Tui Tui Avalala. I mean, he Tui yeah, no. had he had a two thirty five ERA and you know twenty seven strikeouts in twenty three innings. He's probably got the most experience. Yeah. Of, uh, but I, I, I think, don't know. I don't look. I mean, I don't know how much a closer is going to matter because I don't know how many games are going to be ahead. But honestly. They're going to do the same thing they did last year in terms of bringing up, like, you know, anybody that's on waivers, anybody that's been DFA, any of those things. They're going to probably pick them up, especially if they throw hard, have high spin rates and all that stuff. They're going to bargain shop like they did last year. Yeah, and there'll be a Hunter Strickland out there. Yeah. Uh, a guy who... He I mean, might be out have, there again. <laughs> he might. I don't, I don't see him coming back, but... Uh, you know he he was signed to be their closer and probably to trade. Mm-hmm. No, and they they traded him, but not at a higher, very high value because he barely pitched for them four games. Uh, but the, the, yeah, they'll go get somebody like that, and they they do have some uh, uh, they have some arms, right? Like particularly at Double A last year that they think could be closer types uh, coming up. And I thought Reggie McLean showed some promise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, what is the name of the... Uh, the crazy oh. Austin Adams? No. I think he's pretty uh, good. Uh, LJ Newsom. L- oh, LJ. LJ, yeah. LJ. He had incredible numbers uh, last year. I don't know if they'll find a spot for him. They didn't put him on the 40, so he's Rule 5 eligible. I mean, he might get picked up in the Rule 5. I mean, I'm looking at the list. Um, Matt McGill or Austin Adams or or uh, Tui Vailalo will probably have the best chance. Or they may go out and get a guy. I mean, like they can, you know... The, they can go out and get a bunch of guys on a one-year deal and then try and move them. I mean, that's what they did last year, you know. And and then it's just I, I, their bullpens are so fickle, anyways. You you know you never know what you're going to get from those guys. I I'm really su- excuse me. I'm really surprised that Newsom uh, was not put on the forty man. He struck out. 169 and 155 innings last year. Yeah. Part of it was they saw his velocity dip at the end, supposedly, but they could still put him on, I guess. Yeah. I mean, in terms of prospects, the number 18 prospect, Joey Gerber, um, number 26 prospect, 
Aaron Fletcher, Newsom's number 28, and then number 30, Sam Delaplane. Those guys are all relievers, and they all pitched in double A last year. Yeah. Uh, Delaplane's the one who really yeah, he's been good at strikeouts. The, yeah. And he's been that's... good in the AFL, too. So him and Gerber, they could be up. I mean, like, they're not going to rush those guys. You can, you know, they're just going to try and mix and match and, you know, try guys out and see what they can do. And, you know, I mean, like, people get mad about that. But, like, look, Austin Adams, you, you basically got him for nothing. And he actually showed that he could be a pretty good, you know, decent reliever. That's value. You know, you've you've got something for nothing. That's still value in the in the transaction aspect of it. Even if it's only for two seasons, that's still more value than when you had if if you were trying to spend the money on something else. And you know that they'll probably go rule five. They'll rule five something oh, this yeah. year. Yeah, um, I mean, especially because Del- you have that twenty six guys now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Delaplane struck out one hundred and twenty in sixty eight innings. I think he had the highest strikeout rate in the minor leagues. Yeah. So uh, and he did make it up to Double A, and was extremely successful there. He struck out. Uh, he had a o forty nine ERA zero point four nine ERA for Arkansas in twenty five games. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That, that'll work. So he's a he's a dark horse guy. Yeah, they'll bring them uh, all into into spring training and I mean, you know, the one thing and it, it is smart, but Depoto got a bunch of guys that you can send up and down. You know what I mean? And then you can sh- shuffle guys up and down and you want that ability on some level to to do that. Eric Swanson will be in the bullpen. I think he actually was pretty good last year as kind of that long swing reliever when they brought him up again. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's frustrating for the players and for the fans too to to have that constant uh, uh, shuttle between uh, Tacoma, Arkansas, and, and Seattle. But I think that's the way it's going to be for, for the, this next year until you hopefully can settle on a more stable uh, pitching staff. And but that this ain't going to be the case this year. I don't think both the rotation and the Bullpen, I expect to be in a kind of in a state of flux. You know, uh, I, you hope it, the rotation could be stable if the two young guys, uh, you know, make their mark and establish themselves. But uh, there's no guarantee with with uh, Dunn and Sheffield, and then Kikuchi and Marco should uh, probably be in the rotation all year. And then who? You know, we talked last week about the the number five guy being probably someone not in the organization right now. Or yeah, even the four and five guy. I just don't want to see any more openers. So, no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, but I have a feeling that we will. I mean, like now is not the time for them to spend money on relievers. It's just a it's a sunken cost. I mean, unless it's you know a guy that you think has some trade value that might get something. Spending more than four or five million a year for even one veteran reliever, and you need to have some of those guys that you know will be able to take the ball sixty five times in a season. And kind of stabilize it because if you keep running out kids and stuff like that, that could be detrimental. But they shouldn't invest. They should invest minimally in that bullpen right now. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. Is how much heed they're going to pay to winning next year? Yeah. Does I mean you, you do you go out and sign a couple of veterans so you don't lose ninety five games again? Uh, does that compromise what you're trying to do? Do you just eat it for another year uh 
and I mean, they'll never admit that they're not going to be successful next year, but it sure doesn't look like a team that has any chance of having a winning record. No, it yeah, m- I mean, and, and, and what what factor does their employment play into that? Like, do they, if they lose 100 games, they turf them after two years in this rebuild? I mean, you know, they, yeah. they'd only have one more year. Uh, presumably what we were told is, that, you know, what sources have told us said is a three-year extension. After this year, they'd only have the one more. I mean, would they, Yeah. you know, I, would they, and would you make moves to ensure that you won at least 78 games or something so you yeah. wouldn't look better? That's what I'm going to be watching for this offseason. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things about you do buy yourself a little job security when you, when the ownership uh, buys into a rebuild because you sort of ensure that that you're not going to – winning is not real high priority for a couple of seasons. Um, you know, I think a lot will depend on how – sort of what the – the losses look like and if you lose a lot but by the second half of the year you've established a, a real strong nucleus uh you know lewis it looks good and white you break in and he looks like he's ready and suddenly you have this core and the, the pitchers like sheffield and dunn have their ups and downs but they seem to figure something out in, in the second half or whatever and then you could say okay now we go out and get three veterans, two pitchers and a position player, and we go for it in 2021. Uh, I don't see any circumstance where these guys' job is in danger, but their job is definitely on the line in 2021. This rebuild has to show signs of life, of of not just building, but actually breaking through and winning by, by then. Yeah, I mean, there's. Yeah, you're right. And it's they they, and they've said all along that they wouldn't make decisions based on job security. That you can't do that. But I've heard other GMs say that, and then they do it anyway. So, I I, I just, yeah, I think that they invest minimally. There are some guys out there you can take a chance on. You know, like some of these guys that have high upside but are coming off of down years. You know, you take a chance on them, and maybe they. They can do something. Um, I don't know. I'm looking like Mike Dunn was a guy that once signed a big contract and then kind of fell apart. Even Greg Holland is a free agent. You know, guys that Sean Kelly, guys that have actually had success, and it's just the back and forth of the year. Maybe they get hot. I mean, look at that one year, Mark Lowe. They signed him to a minor league deal. He got hot, and then they traded him. I mean, they didn't get anything good for it, but they traded him at the deadline because he got hot and he pitched well. Brandon Morrow, yeah. free agent. Wow. <laughs> Boy, he was a complete flop with the Cubs, wasn't he? I don't know how many games he even pitched for them after he uh, he was an absolute stud for the Dodgers in the World Series and all that, uh, and then got a nice contract with the Cubs and was just hurt all the time. Yeah, yeah. there's some interesting names on there. Nick Vincent, a lot of hmm. former Mariners, Steve Ciszek, Adam Warren, Ciszek's Juan Nicasio. Cishek's going to get himself a pretty good contract, I think. He had a decent year. Oh, man, there's some weird – there's some – I mean, I would go out – I don't know how much you pay him. I'd go get Sergio Romo. He was a one-one yeah. pitcher, and he would be a good for a bunch of young kids in the bullpen. You know, yeah, yeah. I think they'll get guy like that for sure. Joe Smith, somebody <laughs> like that. Did you see that Will Smith, uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, signed with the uh, – Yeah. 
the, the three-year, thirty-nine million dollar contract with the, with Atlanta. But he's from Atlanta. He wanted to. He's always wanted to pitch there. It was uh, kind of unsurprising, but a little surprising it was done this early. But I think everybody figured that he was going to uh, to end up there. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to be there, then that's fine. So. All right, I think we can wrap it up. I mean, like, there's not much to talk about the bullpen. Honestly, like, they're going to be 25, 30 pitchers, relievers, 30 relievers there. And who knows? Have they signed their, their video guide as to uh, to be stationed out there? And uh... <laughs> there's, yeah. another, there's another change-up. <laughs> That's just never gonna get old. I, we're gonna, we're gonna, me and you're gonna wear that one out like we did with yeah. the El Mariachi Loco. Can you imagine what it's gonna be like all year, or at least early in the year with the Astros? It, everyone's gonna bring trash cans to the ballpark and bang them, and uh, they're gonna have to live with that uh, at least uh, until people get tired of it and move on to the next uh, funny thing. But. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. And what do you want to go next week? Do you want to go catcher, first base? Where do you want to go? Uh, yeah, catcher. That's uh, actually some uh, positive stuff to talk about. There. Oh, quickly before we go, we'll go one more hot stove thing. Rosenthal reported that the Mariners are listening to deals on Hanniger. Do you trade Hanniger now, or do you wait till midseason if you're really that interested in trading? Hmm. When did you report that? I didn't see that. That was a few was days it? ago. Just saying that they were listening to offers on Mitch Hanniger. Despite uh, missing most of the season, yeah, I think you wait. I mean, he, he's his trade value is is far lower than it was at this time last year when he was coming off a really good year. He played sixty three games last year. He only hit two twenty. I, I think he's still highly regarded, but I think he's got a. If you're going to trade Hanniger, why not let him reestablish himself, have a strong year, and. Uh, maybe at the trade deadline or something like that. Uh, um, the risk in that is he does <laughs> he struggles and then his trade value go, goes even lower. But uh, I think you have to. They had a lot of faith in him and belief in him uh, last year, and I I think that they still have that. So I would not trade him uh, in the off season. No way. All right, I won't trade you this off season. <laughs> Even if you get a deal you can't refuse? Um, well, that's you never know. I think, you know what? I think I'm the only guy on the uh, Seattle Times with 10 and 5 uh, trade refusal rights. Yeah. So. Condota's <laughs> got to be close, though. He is, yeah. What? Uh, yeah. When are you going to write this column for the readers? I am going to write it tomorrow. Uh, and it's going to... Well, I haven't talked to my editor yet, so we'll see. As long as he says gives me the go um and and it'll run in sunday's newspaper but if i write it tomorrow it'll probably be posted perhaps tomorrow or perhaps saturday or perhaps sunday i never quite know when they're going to post this stuff on the internet but uh within the next couple of days you'll see it all right well that's good take it easy man all right have a good uh drive I oh think yeah i'm heading... going to montana that's right yeah, yeah. god's country yeah. what is it like minus 40 in haver or 40 I may never come back. So you just wait. You what may... happened? To, I thought it was the coldest place in America. A yeah, it's ago. it's getting it's warming up. So it'll be all right. It was eighty five degrees in in, in uh, Central California where I was yesterday in mid November. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll talk okay. to you later. All right, see, see ya. ya.
This has been the Extra Innings Podcast presented by the Seattle Times with your host, Ryan Divish. Thanks to the Midnight Salvage Company for providing the beds and bumper music for the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. You can reach Ryan via email, rdivish at seattletimes.com. Follow Ryan on Twitter, at Ryan Divish, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ryan Divish. Thanks for listening.